This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. as well with the left hand. What's up, everybody? What's going on? Episode 398 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Yeah, episode 398 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA now, too. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on weekends. Big card last night. Um, Maybe we'll get into that sometime during the upcoming week little MMA episode, we'll find out, um, we'll see if I can make time, but, um, hey, you know, I know everybody likes to run with narratives, right, uh, especially everybody in, um, in Yankees media, so, are we doing the, um, are we gonna ride with the, uh, 1-0 since Paul O'Neill Day narrative, is that what we're gonna do now, or are we do, or is it, or is it, um, 1-0 since the table slam. We'll call it that. We'll call it the table slam. And the Yankees are 1-0 since the Aaron Boone table gate. Table slam sounds better. Table gate works, but everybody uses gate. But yeah, no, I mean, I, mean, I guess I guess it's baby steps, right? If you want to go there. Um, you hope that rock bottom, you hope that rock bottom was finally hit. Uh, the other day with all that, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I think this team is what they are. Um, and, and like I said, I think the Yankees. I honestly think they're going to get hot again um, sometime between now and the end of the regular season. I do. That's bound to happen. It's baseball. The thing about this is, I, I think it's more than just a stretch that they're on right now. Bad play. Um, so while I do think they will get hot again, I also believe that during this 25, now 25, and 31, or no, 25 and 34, 56 gamer, I think the Yankees have shown enough during that stretch, and I put that in quotes, um, for me to gather the, the assumption that they're pretty much the same team they've been for the past several seasons, where... They're going to rely on hitting home runs offensively. And when they don't do that, their offense falls asleep. And a lot of the times they fall asleep when they face good pitching. And on the other end of the thing, their pitching is up and down. You know, you don't know what you're getting from your supposed ace. Um, you got him and then you got a bunch of question marks behind him as well. 
you know, Tyone's just become back to being average. Um, Montgomery's not even with a team anymore. Uh, Cortez is, is good. We'll talk about him. But, but you know, you got Domingo Herman in there right now who's not really going to be your playoff number four. He's, he's a number five at the moment. Um, and then who the fuck am I missing? Frankie Montes, who's been absolutely dreadful in two of his three starts. And the one start that wasn't dreadful as a Yankee was more average than anything. So, the bullpen, I, I, I've never been a big fan of that. You all know that. Um, I know that statistically it says they've been good, but I just don't trust many guys in there. I like Marinaccio. I'm okay with F. Ross. Um, I think Schmidt needs to stay here. Um, I heard a rumor that he's been called up since F. Ross is probably going to be on the DL. Shocker, the way he throws. Um, but I don't trust many others. And so that's the same thing. It's the same exact team. We're going to talk about all that. We don't want to get too into it right now. But welcome to the show, episode 398. I'm your host, RJ. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to subscribe. Follow us on social media. Download these episodes. You know all that stuff. You can also go to bd4blog.com to read the blogs that I write. Um, bd4blog.com. With that all said, let's get to our first break. We'll get back and start the show. Hey fellas, I've noticed that only a small percentage of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and want to be alerted every time a new episode drops, consider subscribing and hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the podcast grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, so if you guys want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook, RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. That's Facebook, RJ Carbone. And on Instagram, I'm at Rob J. Carbone. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you're listening to episode 398 of BD4. Welcome to the podcast. So, the Yankees lost three out of four to the Blue Jays. Um, and honestly, they continued to collapse. Um, I know they, they won the fourth game of the set. They semi-salvaged it. But, um, I you know, man, I just... I'm trying to think of if I should add my thoughts in here right now. Or should I just save them for as we go along after the recap, during the recap? I think we'll do that. I, I think we'll save them for later. Let's just recap the games, go in the traditional format. Because um, I got some things to say, man. <laughs> I, I, I do. Some things to say about the Yankees, uh, about Aaron Boone, about Cashman, and about some other narratives that have been floating around out there, for sure. Um the positives, I, I guess before we get to the recaps, um, you know, we didn't have an episode for the series leading up to this one, which was, why can't I remember who we played? Was it Tampa? Uh, I skipped it. I was just, I didn't get to it. I was tired from work, got home. I was like, oh, I'll record in the morning. I ended up sleeping in the morning, so we didn't get that episode out. Um, didn't even record it. But... Um, I forgot my train of thought. Oh, 
we were going to read up a little bit of a scouting report on the two newest Yankees. Um, one of them not so new. He's been with the squad before. But, yeah, um, sometime during the Rays series, I think after the series, whatever it was, the Yankees called up two prospects. One of them being Oswaldo Cabrera, the number 14th prospect in their system. Bats switch, and he is a right-handed arm. Second baseman slash shortstop can also play a little bit of outfield and third base. So he plays everywhere. He's utility. And that's one of his positives here, as Oswaldo Cabrera is a versatile infielder. I've got him as a versatile infielder um, in the minors this season, and AAA in particular this year. Batted 262 with an OPS of 832. Eight homers, 29 RBIs, 12 doubles, three triples, and 10 stolen bases across 47 games played. So we had a very quality, very productive season down in AAA. But the first pro I have for Oswaldo Cabrera is that he is a versatile infielder. And um, I've actually got a very good comp. I was talking to somebody across Yankee social media. And they gave a very good comparison for Oswaldo Cabrera that I, I, I like. I just keep thinking about it and how true it might be. Does Cabrera keep going on this path? Um, a Ben Zobras type. And I think that's just so perfect because Zobers was this guy who wasn't going to be a superstar ever, but he was so solid and he could play so many different positions and he was so versatile and provided so much flexibility for the Royals during their championship run. Um, I, I think Cabrera could be that type if he could just hit a little bit. Um, he's got emerging power, got a little bit of a loft in his swing. Um, but most of that comes from the left side of the plate. So as you can see, one of the cons for Oswaldo Cabrera is that he does struggle from the right side of the plate. Um, maybe down the line, if that continues to be a trend, he just sticks with batting lefty. Um, but we'll see. He's a young kid, you know, so he's still got plenty of time to develop his tool set. Um, and then I have limited range. Uh, for a guy who's pretty small, he's not the quickest. He has speed, but it's more fringe speed. Um, but Oswaldo Cabrera, that's our little scouting report on Oswaldo. He's been good so far. He's played three different positions already. He's been up here, and he's made an hi a highlight play at each of those positions. He robbed a home run in right field the other night. He... Made a very Jeter dive type of play at third base yesterday. And then today, Sunday, he um, makes a nice jump throw. One skips it to first base to get the out from shortstop. Pretty cool. Pretty friggin' cool. So he's got the energy. I mean, he's feeding off the crowd, the bleacher creatures. The whole grenade thing was awesome. After he had that catch in right field, he was just hyping himself up. The crowd was hyping him up. He was hyping up the crowd. He's a ball of energy. He's the spark they need. But, you know, hopefully they start translating this into wins. Um, but I'm a big Oswaldo Cabrera fan already. Um, now, we do have to be careful because we've done this with plenty of other prospects before where you're starting to hear this this line going around and I'm listening to Sterling and Waldman the other day and they were talking about how mature Cabrera is for a kid for a young kid and how he's already looking like he's been there forever and the first thing I thought of was 
We literally said that same exact line for Glaber Torres, right? And now look where we are. So you do have to temper your expectation. You can't get too excited. I know it's exciting to have young prospects come up and it just gives you this rejuvenation, but got to temper your expectation to a degree. Um, but so far, you got to like what you're seeing from Oswaldo Cabrera, at least defensively. We'll see how the bat shapes up. And then secondly, um, Esteban Floreal was called up. This is a guy with lefty pop. Um, he's very toolsy. He's got all, you know, some of the five tools, at least four. Um, but he's also got a long swing, and he's overly aggressive at the plate at times. All right, left-handed outfielder bat. Um, yeah, I mean, he's we've kind of known Floreal for a while. Former top prospect in the system. Kind of taken a bit of a fall from grace because he's never really taken that next step as a prospect. Is having a good year down in AAA. Across 89 games, he's batting 286 with an 858 OPS, 14 home runs, 39 RBIs, 26 doubles, 2 triples, and 32 stolen bases. But so far, he's come up here, not done much. Um, but maybe he can eventually become. Nah, he's probably going to be traded in the offseason or something. <laughs> But hey, uh, in the meantime, like I would have no problem playing Esteban Floreal over Aaron Hicks. And I think that shouldn't even have to be said, obviously. Um, but like, you know, we all know the, the whole shtick with him is he's got, when he runs into a fastball, he has potential to do that 25, 30 times a year. The thing is, he also has potential to strike out 250 damn times in a year. Like he's, I call him as a joke, but kind of not joking. I call him Walmart Joey Gallo because he's kind of that, you know, he's, he's, he's like a a poor man's Curtis Granderson, right? That was another comparison I used to throw out there with Floreal. Um, he's just got a big hole in his swing. He struggles with breaking pitches. He struggles with off speed pitches. Anything not a fastball he struggles with because he's got a few loops in there and he's got to be able to fix that. And I don't know that he's going to, because if he has not yet, six or so, at least it's felt like six years later in the minors. I don't know if he ever will. But, again, I would rather have a prospect stink up the joint at fucking center field than than a veteran Aaron Hicks suck it up up there. So, give me Esteban Florial any day over Hicks, um, regardless. That all said, let's head to another break. Get back. When we get back, we, were going, we are going to recap this um, four games that the Yankees just finished up. Stay with us. Be right there. So BD4 is on so many different platforms now. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and plenty other listening platforms. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube and Spotify. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review as we are currently a five-star podcast and would love to keep it that way. And if you watch the podcast on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the BD4 YouTube channel. Download, listen, watch, share it, do all of that stuff to help us grow.
All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 398 of the podcast, BD4. Guys, if you are new here, go to bd4blog.com where the podcast links will be up on there. The blog that we write will be up on there and links to my social media as well will be up on bd4blog.com. Is up on bd4blog.com. <clears throat> All right, um, let's get to it. Let's recap this series. Let's go over each of these four games, um, summarize things, talk a little bit about what happened. So game one of this set... Jeez, feels like forever ago. Four-game series I hate doing recaps of because it's just so long. Um, Crack my neck. The first game of this set, uh, the Yankees, they lost. Uh, 9-2, they lost to the visiting Toronto Blue Jays. You had Frankie Montas. I'm going to keep saying his name wrong. I forget all the time. I think it's Montas. Going up against uh, Jose Barrios. Top of the second inning. And get the Espinal fielder's choice. That scores a run. Springer singles. That scores more. And then Guerrero with the home run scores even more. Plates five runs for the Jays in the inning. It's all of a sudden 5 nothing. Great job, Frankie Montes. Bottom of the third. DJ LeMayu picks up a base hit. Run scores. Judge hits into a force out. But a run does score. 5-2. to two. The Yankees cut it to three. But that was it. They go silent the rest of the way. And in the top of the fifth, the Jays add on when Kirk doubles, makes it 6-2. And then the Blue Jays officially end all hopes for Yankees fans. Um, when in the top of the seventh, you get the Alejandro Kirk sack fly this time. And then Hernandez double. It was 9-2 Blue Jays after the top of the seventh. And that would end up being the final. Frankie Montes, um, six innings, six runs, eight hits. Half of them were extra base hits. A walk, just two strikeouts, 92 pitches, and the loss. I, man, it's it, it's frustrating, man. It's very, very frustrating. And, again, I kind of want to start ripping Cashman for this, but I want to save that for later. We have that in the notes for after. Um, but just really quickly, Frankie Montes has to find it. You have to get it together because, one, the Yankees are in a rut right now. Whatever you want to call it, I think it's I think it's more legit than it's just a rut. But whatever you want to call it, call it. They, they need wins. They need pitching performances. They need guys to be able to keep them in games. And for Montes to go out there and, and just do that two times out of three, and again, his only good outing be average, that, that can't happen. We traded top pitching prospects for you. Our very few top pitching prospects that we had. Like, we have a shallow prospect pool of pitchers now. Um, although the guy we got for Gallo was pretty decent, from what I'm hearing. But uh, you, you, we paid up to get you. We, we flopped on Castillo, to, if, if we even fucking attempted Cashman. And we decided to go for Frankie Montes. And now he's, you're hearing this whole injury milking shit. Like, he's coming back from injury. How many times are we going to say this? Though? Like, when can he go then? We traded for a guy that needs to be milked the rest of the way? Why didn't we hear about this before? Um, I feel like it's just starting to come out. Like, like the excuses. But he's got to step it up. He's got to be a number two, not a number three. He's got to be a number two pitcher, a 1A. 
even. Like he's got to start pitching six innings, one run ball, seven innings here and there. Like get get the shit together and figure it out. Not a good start to his Yankee career. Um, Frankie Montes, six runs again, just dog shit. Abreu and Licky from there combined three innings, two runs, five hits. Uh, the lineup in the first game of the set scores two runs on seven hits, two of them for extra bases, two walks, 13 strikeouts, one for 10 with runners in scoring position. You had LeMayhew, Rizzo, Cabrera lead the team in hits with two apiece. Um, nobody hit a home run. Rizzo was on base three times, and then Judge had the only RBI. But the Yankees lost. The Yankees lost that one 9-2, and we'll get to the second game of the set right now. The second game of this set was another loss, shockingly. The Yankees this time got shut out. 4-0 shutout. Tyon versus Kevin Gausman. Gausman. And again, right away, just in a hole. Top of the third inning, Guriel Jr., Ground out to score a run. Top of the fourth inning, Hernandez, the home run, two-run shot. It's 3 nothing Blue Jays. And the Yankees don't score. Top of the ninth, the Blue Jays add one more just for the hell of it. Jansen sack fly. It's 4 nothing. The offense does absolutely zero. No runs. Four hits. None of them were for extra bases. All of them were singles. One walk, eight strikeouts, a double play hit into 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. Rizzo, Donaldson, Glaber, and Cabrera were the only four Yankees with the hit. Disgusting. Pitching-wise, Jamison Tyone, very average. Five innings, three runs, six hits, three of them for extra bases. Didn't walk anybody this time. Great, but wasn't great. 80 pitches, got the loss. Trevino, Peralta, Lasagna, and Chapman. Pitched from there, combining to go four innings of one-run ball. And, I mean, there's nothing else to talk about in the second game of the set. In the third game of this set, the Yankees once again would lose. Officially putting their pace under 100 wins. Isn't that amazing? How this team was on pace to win damn near 125 games at one point. In like early to mid-June. They were. And now, and at that time, we were saying, dude, they could be a disgusting 500 team the rest of the way and still win 105 games. Guys, they've been so bad that they could continue playing 500 ball from now to the rest of the season, and I think they would win 80-something games. Like, they're on a pace to win less than 100. I think they're on like a 98-win pace now. I don't know what that went up to after the win today, but it's amazing to me how, how that's just... Talk about a collapse. Um, They lost. 5-2. Uh, Garrett Cole versus some kid something-something white. But Yankees scored first. Florial, the RBI single in the second inning. Um, But, you know, Bradley and Kirk pick up a pair of doubles off of Cole in the fifth. Good job, buddy. It's 4-1 Jays to the bottom of the 8th. Glaber hits the home run 4-2. Yankees have a little hope. Nope. Matt Chapman homers in the top of the ninth. 5-2 Jays. They win. Garrett Cole, man. Um, six innings. Four runs. Five hits. 
two walks, five strikeouts, 106 pitches, and another loss. I don't know if this guy, and I'm not trying to be an asshole here, I don't know if Garrett Cole has the guts for New York City. Because to me, it just feels like it just feels like every single time his team needs him, he fails to deliver. And whenever that always happens, I can't stop thinking about CC Sabathia. How even at the end of his years, when he was past his prime, one of his final seasons with the Yankees, he earned the nickname The Stopper. The Stopper. CC Sabathia was the stopper because anytime the Yankees lost a game, they would put him, they would purposely schedule him for that next day. Um, they wouldn't actually purposely schedule him, that'd be impossible. But he would happen to pitch the next day and it would be an automatic win. He was like undefeated for a while and his ERA was very low after a loss. Like he was. He earned the nickname, The Stopper. Garrett Cole is the opposite of that. I mean, would it kill the guy to go and throw up a seven-inning shutout once in a while? Because if you're talking about a guy who's making $300 million to be this ace, to be this real strong, dominant ace who could put up these types of dominant outings, that has not happened in pinstripes. He already left a bad taste in my mouth towards the end of last regular season, entering the playoffs. In that one playoff game against Boston, he wasn't good. That started it for me. And he's not redeemed himself with the spider tax shit and then making multiple excuses for himself after that during this season. He's just not pitched great overall in New York. He's not been an ace. He's been more of a number. I wouldn't, I like, I would even say this year you can make a case that Garrett Cole is pitched like a number three. That might be too harsh, but I, I I think there's an argument you can make. He's definitely not pitched like an ace. I can tell you that right now. And anybody who says he's been an ace this year is they're, they're biased or they you know Cole's got their nudes. It's not been good, and he's got to get his shit together because if the Yankees are to go anywhere in the playoffs, Garrett Cole has to be not a number two, not a one B. An ace. A number one ace. An alpha ace. If the Yankees are to do anything, he's got to start it. After him, it was Marinaccio, Efros, and Abreu. Three innings, one run combined. So, like Abreu. <laughs> Why do we keep going to this guy? He is not good. Um, In 12... Of 18 appearances since the beginning of July, he's allowed at least one run to cross the plate. Whether that's an earned run, a run, or an inherited runner to score, he's allowed at least one of those runners to cross the plate every time. Or, I'm sorry, 12 out of 18 times he's come in since July. That's really friggin' bad. So he consistently does not get the job done. He consistently... Does not get it done. 12 out of 18 is, let's see, 12 divided by 18. That's got to be 70%. Oh, okay. 67, two-thirds. 67% of the time he comes into a game since July, he's not getting the job done. That's disgustingly bad. Yet, Aaron Boone continues to throw him out there. 
And the nerds like him. Of course, the nerds like him. The nerds like him because his stuff is good and his analytics are good. But the nerds, they do nothing but read spreadsheets. They do not watch baseball. They watch baseball savant porn. And baseball savant, that doesn't show them which offenses Abreu pitches well against or what situations he comes in again, you know, during low leverage instead of high leverage and does well. When he faces good offenses, when he's in crunch time, he sucks. He absolutely has sucked. He does nothing but leave pitches right over the plate and throw a breaking ball that does not break. Everybody throws 100 nowadays. That's not as special as people think it is. It's just amazing when you think this is the guy. This is the guy that the Yankees decided to keep over Marinaccio for 15 days. This is the guy who they're deciding to keep over Clark Schmidt. And Peraza. But Peraza is more, you know, Marwin fucking Gonzalez wasting a roster spot. Who's the most useless player in the world? He does nothing. He never plays. When he does, he does zero. Why is he here? I don't know. It's a whole different thing. But, man, I am tired of Abreu. And he was actually just placed on the DL. Um, and I think from what I hear, Curry said it, uh, Schmidt's coming up. So, um, I think Abreu's to the DL. And, and so is um, potentially Efros. So... Um, good for Clark. The lineup in the third game of the set produced two runs on nine hits, two extra base hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts, one for eight in scoring position. Not good. Judge and Trevino with two hits apiece. Benintendi was on base twice, um, but you also had four guys with two strikeouts or more in DJ, Judge, Glaber, and Floreal. Um, and then you got to the final game of the set, which took place this afternoon. Lord, we finally got a win. Um, the Yankees won. The Yankees won. Uh, they took this one 4-2. Nestor going up against Alec Manoa. Bottom of the first inning off Manoa. The Yankees crack first. You've got DJ LeMayu and Anthony Rizzo participating in a hit and run. DJ slaps it right past the shortstop, forcing the defense to react quickly. They do. They make an error. Rizzo comes home. The Yanks score run 1-0. Good to see. Top of the third, the uh, I almost said Royals because it's Merrifield um, for the Blue Jays. Hits a home run. Ball bounces off the top of the wall twice. Never seen that before. Ties the game up at one. Um, bottom of the third, though, the Mayhew picking up a two-out base hit. Pass shortstop again. It's 2-1 Yankees. Rizzo makes an excellent defensive play on the top of the fourth. Bottom of the fifth, some drama. Andrew Benintendi doubles. Judge comes to the plate later. He gets plunked. The benches kind of clear out. Judge is walking straight to Manoa, wants to talk to him. Cole is is throwing a tantrum. He's exploding. Um, Seemed like it was nothing, and it ended up being nothing. Nothing really escalated from there. Um, I don't know what that was about, but I like the fire. And from the start of this game, you could see the Yankees had a fire to them. It was Paul O'Neill day. That was cool to see. Um, but in that first inning, when DJ had the RBI, you see him at second just aggressively clapping, and he doesn't do that often. Like, Rizzo's pumping his fists. And you could just see the energy was there today. And you hope that they can take that momentum and carry it. Uh, top of the seventh, 
Peralta walks Jackie Bradley Jr. with the bases loaded. It's 2-2 because, of course, that happens. Bottom of the seventh, the savior finally has with what hopefully can be his like Yankee jump starter moment, Andrew Benintendi, his first Yankee home run. And it was a big one. Number four in the season. Puts the Yankees up, breaks the tie, makes it 4-2. Um, top of the eighth, Oswaldo Cabrera making that highlight play. Like I said, he's made three different highlight plays at three different positions, and he's been here for, what, four days? Um, and, you know, the bullpen shuts it down. Trevino, or Trevino, 2.1 innings, closed it out, got the win. Lasagna and Peralta pitched before him. They got an out each. Lasagna, a hit, a walk, another run. I, I sadly, I, I think he's done. I, I think he's cooked. It's not happening with him. Um, if it hasn't happened yet with him, it's not going to happen this year. I'm a believer in that. I, I just think he, he's he's done. It, it's not working this year for him. I call it a season, put him on a fake DL stint again. He's bad. Um, He's not missing any bats. Even his good outings aren't looking the same as they did last year. I think he's done. Cortez isn't done. Um, I'm like, this guy's their ace. Six innings, one run, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts. He's their ace. Not only is he their most consistent pitcher, but he's there when they need him. Like, when they need a good start, he's there. And he's making, what, seven grand? Seven grand to do what what Gary Cole is supposed to be doing. Let's be honest. Pretty fucking pathetic on Gary Cole's part. Pretty awesome for Nesta Cortez, though. He's officially legit. Like, I'm in. I'm in. I've got no more concern with Nestor. No more question to see if he can hold this up. I'm not concerned about the fatigue thing. I'm there. I, I think he's... Excuse me. I think he's good to go. Maybe I'm late with that. Maybe, you know, I, I, I should have been in. But, like... I'm not concerned about Nest. <laughs> the lineup was was better today. Still not great. Four runs, six hits, a couple of walks, 12 strikeouts. Um, Benintendi and, and DJ pick up two hits apiece. Benintendi, the double, and then the two-run home run. His batting average is back up to 300. DJ had the other RBI today, and then Trevino had another hit. Um, but... Yeah, man, it just like it was a good series. Um, if you ignore the first three games, <laughs> like I can't get too hyped. Uh, you got to be better. You just have to be better, and and it's just the same thing with the lineup. They produce very similar offense every year. Like once again, this series, they continue the, their 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 cold spell is. Is awful. Like they're not even competitive right now with some of these at bats. The entire series, they drew seven total walks, seven walks in the entire four game set. When they're on, they draw seven walks in a game on a bad night. That makes no sense. When they're on, they draw seven plus walks in a game. Um, but they're drawing. Yeah, they drew seven walks the entire four game set. They're not even working counts. In the second game of the series, they had just two opportunities with runners in scoring position. They were zero for two. Just two chances there. Overall in the series, they were four for twenty-six, which is one fifty-three. I mean, you're, you're you're getting shut down by everybody now. Barrios, who was having a terrible year, did not matter. He goes six and two-thirds, one run ball. 
Some 27-year-old random named, was it Mitch White? Mitchell White? Did not matter. Four innings of one run ball. Just, like, you got to look at it and you got to get a little bit real. Like, how many, I don't know how many times I can say it. Um, and I'm sure you're saying it too if you're a smart fan here. You will not find any type of consistency or more importantly, any type of postseason success with a lineup that is unable to hit the ball. Hit, H-I-T, unable to hit the ball. I'm not talking about hitting home runs because home runs, to me, that's not hits, that's slugging. All right. When I say hits, I'm not talking about home runs only. I'm not talking about walks. I'm talking about hits. Singles, doubles, the occasional triple, like those are hits to me. Home runs are popular. I get it. They're still the most difficult hit to get, right? They don't come around as often, though. That's the thing. Home runs, as popular as they are, they are still the most difficult hit to get. They don't come around as often as singles and doubles. And I mean, just look at this lineup. Look at the lineup. Look at these averages, man. After Aaron Judge, LeMahieu, Trevino, and IKF, it gets fucking ugly with some of these batting averages. You've got seven guys, seven guys who enter today's game below 230. So these stats are one game late. Rizzo, batting 220. Donaldson, batting 223. Aaron Hicks batting 217, which I must say, I am glad that Aaron Hicks is on his way out. We don't know where he was these last few days. Um, maybe he was finding God. Maybe he was on a walkabout somewhere. But he's clearly on his way out. You know, the organization basically said it um, with the Bader move, both verbally and they're saying it with their actions recently with Floreal. But, yeah. I mean, he, he's gone. He, he's definitely on his way out, at least. Um, I think there's no way he plays one more season in New York. I think this is the last season for him, and he might not even make the playoff roster. Who knows? He probably will. But he's done after this year. There's no way you're, you're bringing him back. I mean, that's literally why they traded for Bader um, and why they called up Floreal. But, yeah, speaking of this world-class bum that Aaron Hicks is, I read an article... And I want to quote it, and I want to give credit to the writer here. His name is Thomas Carinati. Um, I think it's an article that I read on Yanks Go Yard, and I hope I'm correct there. But I'm going to quote a little excerpt from this article that I thought was just perfectly put. Very funny, but very straightforward and so true. And he puts, he, he says... And I'm going to quote this right here. One second. Here we go. The only reason Aaron Hicks isn't number one, and he's talking about guys to DFA. He gave a list of three Yankees that should be DFA'd. Um, it was like a Abreu, uh, Marwin, and then Hicks. He goes, the only reason Aaron Hicks isn't number one is because he's still owed a chunk of money that the Yankees are going to refuse to part with. The richest organization in baseball can't stomach throwing away a few million into the garbage. But they'll ensure their viewers have to fight to get access to the Yes Network, a television station they own and profit from. There's no problem charging folks $16 for a beer and $24 for a chicken bucket with fries either. 
all right, I'm being harsh. You get to keep the bucket. <laughs> but I thought that was just so perfectly said. So perfectly said about Aaron Hicks and, and the way the Yankees go and the way they operate. It's just so... Everything's just... They got to be cheap. They got to go for the consolation prize. They got to save their wallets. They got to do this, do that. Nothing really seems like it's all in. You should be all in here. So you got all these guys batting under 230. Rizzo, Donaldson, Hicks, Higashioka's batting 195. Gonzalez is batting 208. Benintendi's batting 192. Um, Stanton's... You know, Benintendi comes here and he forgets how to hit. Hopefully today was a spark. Stanton's batting 228, which, by the way... Can, like This narrative that I'm starting to see that Stanton is the reason the Yankees are losing is nuts. It's nuts. He's got a 220s average. And the Yankees are 25-31 and 31 since June 19th. Enough. Stanton has played in 28 of those games, and the Yankees went 13-15. and 15. So please, spare it. If you're truly a great team, if you're truly a team destined to win a World Series, you find ways to consistently win. This team has how big of a payroll, and you all want to make these excuses? And by the way, Aaron Judge kind of has to step up soon. I get it. He's on pace for 55, 60 home runs, whatever that number may be now. But he is the alpha, right? And he is you know, he's making it clear that he's going to want the money. How about being there when they when your team is is in this hell hellfire slump and they need you the most? How about being there? I'm sorry, it sounds harsh, but I'm old school. I still believe in expectations. I still believe in accountability. If you're the guy, you got to be the guy, and you got to come through for your team. At some point, he's going to have to get hot and be the guy. Say, I'm the leader of this team. I must take us through this. I'm angry, man. (laughs) That win today did very little, but I'm angry. Boone is angry. Aaron Boone's angry. The fire from Aaron Boone lately. Slamming the table. The uh, the quote about, don't give a damn about eight games. Play better. Right? And I hope all that... I do love it. I'll give him credit because I give him shit when he doesn't... You know... Throw, throw fits in his pressers. So I'll give him credit. But I do hope it's not just media food. It kind of seems like he's just like forcing it. But, you know, I just hope that this... Fire we're seeing in his pressers lately is something he's also bringing to the clubhouse. I don't give a shit if you're doing it to the media. I I want you to do this with your guys. Because this is Aaron Boone we're talking about. The same guy who held a team meeting a week ago and he held it reportedly, literally reporters said this, to tell everyone how great they are after losing a billion of the last whatever. Like, he told them how great they are and how, how close they are to winning a championship. Like, that's that. That's why I don't know if I buy this. You know who Boone is. Boone is... Aaron Boone's the team mom. Aaron Boone is the team mom. He is there to babysit. He's there to have your back at all times and never critique you. But instead, he'll always tell you how good you are. He's literally the team mom. He's just soft. And that's why a lot of these guys have this softer mentality. 
Judge in his cupcake comments recently. Still got a blank, blank lead, whatever he said. Like, and all this complete, it's just all this complacency is maddening. So complacent. That shouldn't be the mentality you have if you're the New York Evil Empire, Yankees, the Bronx Bombers. You should want to go for the kill. Every loss to you should be like, oh, we got to step it up. Let's go. I'm not saying you got to throw shit and you got to say we suck, we suck like we do on social media. But no, you got to get a little more urgent. You got to show us. And they're not showing us. They're not. You wonder why these guys aren't showing up in these big games, these high-pressure games. Complacency. They're just so complacent with their division lead. I mean, look back so far. All these high-stake games, like the ones against Houston. The Yankees are 2-5 and five against the Astros. The two games against the Mets so far. We got humiliated. 0-2 against the Mets. Some of those Fen- Fenway games were brutal this year. In this past series against the Jays, a big series, divisional series, we lose three out of four. The high-pressure series with something on the line, we don't do well. Little success. That's not a good indicator for postseason. you got to be able to have a mentally strong team. And I hope that these guys can do it. It seems like we're so focused on getting home field advantage because we know this team just melts on the road, they can't play away from home. You gotta be mentally strong, man. You gotta win a title. You gotta win a title. Um, gonna talk about Cashman when we get back from break. Stay with us. Studio Sixty Nine Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez. To allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. basically just going to put it this way. Uh, If the Yankees don't go to a World Series, at least go to a World Series. But I I hate when people say that. So I'm going to say if the Yankees don't win a World Series, fuck that. If the Yankees do not win a World Series this season, win, meaning the last game of their season, they have more points, as Boone would like to say, as the other team. If they don't win a World Series, Cashman has got to go and you got to clean house. Because I'm tired of just looking up. I find myself doing this every year. Where I'm looking at all the guys we either let go of or did not go after. And they're having such solid seasons. This year it's it's like Castillo, Montgomery, J.P. Sears. uh, Guys in the offseason like Gio Urshela, Freddie Freeman. Even Tyro Estrada from a few years ago who we DFA'd for no reason. Doing well. Castillo has faced us twice since the deadline. He killed us both times, and he's developed into an ace. Montgomery has as many wins in three starts than the Yankees did in their last 17 games heading into today. 
J.P. Sears, last I checked, which was yesterday night, 10 in a third innings of two-run ball with Oakland. Gio Urshela having a very solid season with the Twins. Freddie Freeman, the one that probably kills me the most out of all of this. They did not even attempt to call the guy up. He's batting like 330. He's got 40 doubles. He's killing it. But you knew we were going after Rizzo the very second he became a free agent. So Cashman botched free agency. He botched the deadline. He screwed up the entire Gary, Donalds, and IKF thing. Could have just dumped Gary on his own. Kept Geo. Should have traded Miggy and Duhar years ago. Held on to your top prospects, but still didn't call them up. So they're just stuck in in-between land. I'm just tired of the same shit. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having this old, injury-riddled roster. Every year. Get younger. And get guys in here who can play every day so we don't have to keep hearing this bullshit narrative that the Yankees will be okay because this isn't their final roster yet. That's horseshit. Because then these guys come back so late, they're milked the rest of the way, we take it easy on them, or they're not the same in the playoffs. I'm tired of it. All of it. Every year, it's their best players always going down. For a while, it was Judge over the years, but he straightened it out. DJ now has some injury concerns. Rizzo, mid-30s, he's got back issues. Forever, it's been Stanton and Severino. Continues to be. Carpenter was Babe Ruth for us. Such a big part of this team. But his career is probably over now because he's 85 years old and fouled the ball off his foot. Get some youth onto this team ASAP. Right now. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. And please, for fuck's sake, if it's too much to ask, hopefully it's not, Develop these guys properly. Develop them properly. Because I am tired of having these guys come here, getting off to hot starts, and then fading. Then falling off. Because it happens with so many of these guys outside of Judge. Miguel Andujar. Killed it in his rookie season. Where is he now? He's a, he's a, he's a nobody. Greg Bird. Great. August of 20, 2016. Fall off. Gary Sanchez looked like the best catcher in the game for one and a half seasons. He falls off. Clint Frazier looked exciting. He fell off. Luis Severino looked so talented. He's battled injuries his entire career. Glaber Torres looked so promising, like a 300-hitting right-handed Cano. He fell off. Everybody does the same shit. Everyone outside Judge has started so well, and then they just fall off a cliff. Get some guys in here that are developed properly. I don't know if I blame... Cashman for it, Dylan Lawson and his bullshit hit strikes hard philosophy, Matt Blake for not doing proper, like something's got to happen where we continue consistency. We need steadiness from these prospects, from the guys that are on the roster now. We've got to get some damn consistency. Not anybody on this roster outside of a select few players, pitchers are consistent. Aaron Judge, LeMayu, Aaron Judge is their most... It's him and everybody else. It's Aaron Judge. LeMayu's been okay. Trevino's been okay. IKF's been... Eh. Everybody else has been pretty bad. Like, Rizzo's been... so, so He's been C-level. Everybody else. Same thing and worse. It's not, it's not good. You got three, four guys pulling their weight, and everybody else is not doing their job. Get it together. We got the sewer rats up next. They have their top guys on the mound. 
don't care. Go win. Find a way to win. The Yankees have the payroll, and they're supposed to have this lineup that makes other teams say, "Oh, it's going to be tough." But instead, we're saying about about we're saying that about opposing pitchers. No, opposing pitchers are supposed to look at this lineup and go, "Whoa, how are we going to navigate this?" But instead, we're saying, "How are we going to navigate Scherzer and Degrom?" It shouldn't be that way. It should always be the opposite. Get it together. Head to our final break. Get back and wrap it up with the NYY MYK MMA question of the day. Stay with us. All right, so for episode 398, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day is, in 2016, Aaron Judge made his MLB debut with which other rookie hitting back-to-back home runs together? In 2016, Aaron Judge made his MLB debut with which other rookie hitting back-to-back home runs together? Let me know the answer wherever you can reach me, whether that be on Facebook or Instagram, wherever you can find me. If you get it correct, I'll give you a shout-out. If not, I'll let you know what the answer is in the next episode, 399. So one last time, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day is, in 2016, Aaron Judge made his MLB debut with which other rookie hitting back-to-back home runs together? All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. I'm your host, RJ, episode 398 in the books. Just a quick one. Actually, it was almost an hour. But hey, hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I'll catch you in the next one. Hopefully the Yankees find it. Hopefully the Paul O'Neill game was the one. (laughs) See you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.